Undeceptions podcast. Small Wonders with Laurel Moffat. One morning on my way to work, I almost bumped into a woman as she jogged out of the hotel lobby. She ran toward the corner, then she turned back and walked the other way, only to then turn around again. She was looking up at the street signs and the buildings and at the cars and buses like they'd all caught her by surprise. Like she'd come down the lift of the hotel knowing where she was, only to find when she walked out the front door that a city had sprung up around her like a thicket, wild, choking her path. She was in exercise clothes. I asked her if she needed any help, expecting her to either ask directions to the gym on the other side of the block or to say, no thanks. But she said neither of those things. Instead, she said, yes, you can. Where is the water? Do you know? I just want to get to the water. We were so close to it. It was only about 400 meters from where we stood. But there was nothing to suggest that we were anywhere near it. We were in the heart of the city, on a street that's been turned into a canyon by walls of glass and steel and stone. Why look for the water? She could order a glass of it at the cafe two doors down, or she could have crossed the street and bought a liter or two of it at the underground supermarket. Buses roared past. Taxis and Ubers careened around corners. Countless people rushed into the bellies of buildings that towered over us. All I could see or hear was a city around us, speaking in honks and rumbles, in roars and beeps and dings. Where we stood, there was barely any evidence of any natural topography left. In cities, we create our own topography by making our own elevations. Cities as we know them now with their forests of tall buildings are a relatively recent phenomenon. The modern high-rise, the skyscraper, is the offspring of the ancient dream of building something that can touch the sky and the modern ability to both do it and get all the things necessary for life and living up to the sky as well. Going up. And one of the things necessary for life at either ground level or the 50th floor is water. The question that a modern skyscraper answers is both where is the water and how do you get the water up here to me where and when I want it. The Home Life Insurance Building, built in 1885 in Chicago, Illinois, was the first high-rise. And since its completion, tens of thousands of skyscrapers have been built all around the world, changing the topography of countless cities. Structural engineers say that most modern buildings are designed to last about 60 years. But in fact, they last much longer than that in terms of the imprint 
or memory they leave on a city. Such a simple question, where is the water? And yet, as I've thought about this encounter in the weeks following, I think her question was also quite profound. At least it was for me, because her question made me look around at the city with new eyes. Seeing it not in terms of just its busyness or its beauty, the losses it holds or its opportunities. It made me look for the way the land lay underneath all the concrete, glass, and metal. It's made me think about the topography we create for ourselves in our cities and how that affects our access to the things that are necessary for life and living. Her question became an opportunity to look at the city using what anthropologists call deep time thinking. Deep time thinking is when you look at a place and yourself in it, in the context of the past and the future, and imagine it through an expanse of time. It offers a long view of things, rather than the short-sightedness that can't see past the immediacy of the here and now. The woman's search for water made me look at the city in terms of the many changes to the natural topography that have happened over the past two and a half centuries since European colonization. Where we stood was one block from George Street, which is thought to have originally been a path the Gadigal people made and maintained that led from the bush to a source of fresh water. Buildings have been built along the stretch of this road, but the road remains relatively faithful to the path beneath it, which was the answer to the question then, where is the water? How do I get to the water? David Ferrier, the author of a book called Footprints, has written extensively on the geological legacy of cities and how the built environment interacts with the geology it's built on, how it changes it, but also becomes a part of it. He examines how the things we build now will, in time, break down, degrade, and fossilize, becoming a part of the land. city doesn't always ask a person to consider deep time. So much of a city is made of the here and now. But over time, there are movements and patterns you can trace. There's the creation of villages, towns, and cities that so often begin near a source of fresh water. And there is the city we make ourselves, wide and deep and high, in lockstep with the advancements of our own technology. People ebb and flow in and out of the city like the tide. There's the morning rush in and the evening rush out. 
There are the moves into the city and out of the city over longer stretches of time. There's so much that goes on in a city. Ferrier calls it a whole planet in microcosm, which is in turn noisy, exciting, busy, ugly, empty, but also beautiful. A city can so dazzle and so confound us that it's easy to forget the ground under our feet, how the land actually lies in whichever place we happen to find ourselves. And it's easy not to think about the duration of the impact and legacy of the things we build in our lives, with our lives. We can lose sight of things, even the most important, like water. And we can remove ourselves from others by creating our own elevations. I suppose the woman's question left me thinking a lot about the things that are most important in life and the most lasting. It's made me consider what it is I am building with my own life through the subtle, daily accretion of thoughts and words and actions. Is it something lasting? Or is it only a sandcastle that will topple in the next wave? How do you build something that lasts? How do you not lose sight of the things that are essential? What I keep coming back to is a refrain from a song, Psalm 136, a song of deep time thinking if there ever was one. This is how it starts. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. His love endures forever. The song takes in a long view of time, a great expanse of it, hurtling back to the creation of everything and then winding down the path of the history of Israel to a present and future reality of being remembered and known, of given a life of freedom, given food for our hunger, and with it, I assume, water for our thirst. And throughout this psalm of deep time thinking, the refrain rings out like a pulse, like the beat of a hammer on a nail, like a chisel on stone, like the waves on the shore. Something is being made with this refrain, something eternal and lasting, and this is it. His love endures forever. Where is the water? How do I get to the water? If you follow the refrain of this psalm, you're so close, you can't miss it. Podcast.